Good evening, everybody, and look at that. We have a new intro and a new look up here on screen. Welcome to episode 144 of Buds and Blue Jays. And with a brand new look, I'm Jesse Burrell. That's Riley McConnell. And we've been doing some big things here on the show. If you are listening to this episode on your podcast platforms, please mind the echo. We are working on it. We're going to try to get rid of that later as it goes on. But bear with us for this episode. But we've got a new visual. So I suggest come up, check this episode on YouTube. We've got a lot of good things coming up on Buds and Blue Jays. Riley, what are your thoughts on the new design we have here? I love it, man. Um, first of all, we had business cards made up um, mm-hmm. quite some time ago. So our background resembles those a lot. And, um, you know, the sound effects, the graphics, everything like that. We're starting to kind of come together. You know, it's like a baseball team, uh, like the Sandlot team that gets new uniforms. Um, we're that Sandlot team that just got some new threads. We've been here to play for the last two seasons. And we're coming back at you with some more lively pods, if you want to put it that way, Jesse. Super excited, man. Super excited. We'll call it our inaugural New Era episode, if anything. I love that. I'm excited. Well, if you've listened to the episode in the past, our theme of the episodes is not going to change. We're just going to have a little bit more pizzazz, a little more animation, maybe even a sound effect or two coming in here. It's going to be a lot of fun from us coming at the Buds and Blue Jays side. But let's get into what we're going to talk about this episode. It is deep into the offseason, and we are going to dive into the trade rumors. The hot stove buzz is going around, and the Blue Jays are in all of the action. Plus, we have some news coming out on the Blue Jays coaching staff. We're finally going to talk Alec Manoa and what the decision should be to do with him. And then the Blue Jays got some awards. We're going to talk some gold glove and then some notes about what's been happening for the Blue Jays down on the Arizona Fall League. But first, while we're here, guys, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. Riley and I are 200 away from being able to do live episodes, which is something we want. And it's a lot more fun for you guys listening. So please subscribe to the channel. If you haven't done so already, it is very important to us. And then you can say you're one of the first 500 to be a subscriber to Buds and Blue Jays. So please make sure you do that. Riley, without further ado, are you ready to get right into the Blue Jays trade rumors? Let's dive right into it, man. There's nothing on the field to talk about. Let's go That's into right. those front offices and dive right in to uh, see what the uh, the big wigs are talking about. All right, well, as expected, the Blue Jays do have a lot of holes to fill on their roster, as we talked about in our last episode, and we're getting some rumors about players the Blue Jays may be interested, and I will hit you with the first one here, and that is, quote, the Blue Jays have shown interest in St. Louis Cardinals outfielder Dylan Carlson, and Riley, we talked quite a bit about Dylan Carlson last offseason when we thought we might trade a catcher to the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Blue Jays have been in trade talks with um, the Cardinals quite frequently with the Jordan Hicks trade, the Paul DeYoung trade, um, all throughout our franchise history we've made trades with st louis what would your interest level be if we were to acquire outfielder dylan carlson well i love the our uh, our triple a team the st louis cardinals giving us some pretty good deals on some guys <laughs> dylan carlson a great young switch hitter uh great fielder a ton of potential there um i think you know maybe not a lot of guys um you know maybe some some low-key ball fans might not be as excited, but Jesse, I know you're a guy who breaks down the numbers. And I think Dylan Carlson, I know he was injured, but he's still a guy um, that people would get a lot of ex- of excitement from um, because he's so young, talented. And of course, the big part in it is he's cheap right now too. And we know how the Jays like guys with team control. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the nail on the head. This is so predictable from the Blue Jays' front office here. We should have known they'd be interested in a guy like this. Look, he's a former top prospect. I think he was drafted 33rd overall. He was one of the Cardinals' top guys. And he hit okay, but not great last year. 266, 343, 437 with 18 home runs. But did have a solid walk rate, which I like. Average defender, decent base runner. He can play all three outfield positions, and we know outfield is a position of need for the Toronto Blue Jays. He went to the IL twice last year, Riley, with an ankle injury and ultimately ended up having surgery. And in his limited time, he still put up a two-and-a-half war season. He's got three years of club control and projected to only make $1.8 million this year. I think there's some real thing here, and if St. Louis is willing to get rid of him and it doesn't cost us an arm and a leg, I do like the fit for Dylan Carlson here on the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, there's definitely a spot for a guy like Dylan Carlson. And if we're going to get that exact type of guy, um, we kind of made a similar uh, move by acquiring Dalton Varsho, of course. Um, and the price there was very heavy. And we saw how that has worked out for us mm -hmm. so far. Um, I think St. Louis being a less competitive uh, team right now, we well, how can you get more competitive than Arizona um, this year um, and St. Louis is in a different state uh, right now. And I think that uh, if we can move some guys that aren't going to be, you know, maybe blue chips and make a good package deal to acquire him, I would certainly do that. I mean, just shy $2 million uh, to have him. I think that would be fantastic, especially with, uh, you know, Springer in his age right now, um, giving him even more breaks and Dylan mm -hmm. Carlson also playing all fields. I mean, it's, it's super important. I mean, we played last year with essentially three center fielders. And I think this year um, there's a good chance that we could also, you know, maybe a different guy on the roster that also start the season with what you would call three center fielders. All right, well, the Blue Jays have been active on more players, and let's talk about this next one, Riley. This is a quote from Robert Murray, and he says, quote, Reese Hoskins to the Toronto Blue Jays, quote-unquote, has legs, Riley. He didn't play at all in 2023. He tore his ACL in spring training, but in 2022, he hit 246, 332, 462, 30 home runs that season. He'll be turning 31 early in this year, Riley. Reese Hoskins to the Blue Jays. What's your interest level here? I uh, I think that that's hey listen I think that Reese Hoskin had a ton of potential as a guy who's going to hit you 40 home runs a year I don't think that's the case anymore um, he had a really good sophomore season in the MLB he played some pretty good defense and I think hit hit around 36 to 38 home run mark. But I don't know if Reese Hoskins is that player anymore. Um, I think his value has really gone down, especially on the Phillies right now um, with the sluggers that they have and the fact that there's a good chance Bryce Harper is going to be their everyday first baseman. Um, Reese has got to go to a different ball club, it seems. Now, we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but essentially with his decrease in value, from my standpoint, um, he could essentially be a Brandon Belt type guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I and, and Belt gave it all last year. I'm not even going to say Reese Hoskins is going to do what Brandon Belt did. But as far as a first baseman goes, I think he is replacement level. And he's going to give Vladdy some breaks. And, of course, there's still a lot of potential for some pop. There's no reason why he 
won't or can't hit 36 home runs. I just don't think he has it in him anymore. But there is still that possibility, that potential in that, Jesse. And, I mean, how many guys did we have with 30 home runs last year? Zero. We need to take a flyer on guys that can hit for power. Yeah, and that's the Blue Jays' biggest team need, right? So you look at a player like Reese Hoskins, whose number one skill is his power, and you think, okay, this could work. I'm worried about two things with Reese Hoskins. One is he's coming off a torn ACL. Yes, he's a slow-bodied first baseman, but that's pretty serious surgery. And yes, he had all season and he'll have all offseason to recover. We will see. It's a mystery bag, I suppose. He could turn into like an Edwin Encarnacion type, or he could turn into a Kendris Morales type. If we get one, we're laughing. It's going to be a great signing. If it's Kendris Morales and then we clog up the DH spot for three-plus years, that's not going to be good for the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think they will be weary about doing a move like that. Um, we will see. It's it's the mystery bag in Reese Hoskins is what it is. It's very much a question mark. It is someone's going to take a flyer on this guy, and I'm a big fan. You can run the statistics and projections, but until he marches into spring training, you really don't know what, um, because of the absence he's had in in the most recent ML, his most recent MLB, um, you really don't know what you're going to get with with him right now. All right, we'll keep tabs on that going forward. This next player, Riley, is going to the other side of the diamond. It is the third baseman, Heimer Candelario, and the Blue Jays have, quote, met with his representatives. Last year, Riley, he hit 251, 336, 471, hit 22 home runs. He was traded from Washington to the Chicago Cubs midseason. He did hit better in Washington than he did with the Chicago Cubs. League average defender. He's a switch hitter. He can play both corner infield spots. Decent strikeout, decent walk rates. He just, to me, this guy screams like a league average guy the high floor low ceiling type um nothing special but a guy that every roster needs riley do you have interest in a player like timer candelario to play third base next year i love he is one of i would say as far as having a guy who could be a complimentary player for almost any ball club the fact that you know he's a third baseman and i know you say he plays league average defense as a third baseman you look at all the great i mean arenado still playing great third base um and and you know chapman of course just winning a gold glove this year. No, no spoiler intended. However, um, you know, playing league average third base defensively is still a, an incredible feat. Uh, 22 home runs as of right now. That's getting the job done as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, Jesse, I like the fact that this guy is, you know, basically kind of a just above league average if you want to call it that in most categories if not all um again and the guy who's not going to break the bank if we're looking at you know available free agents um uh, there's going to be a lot of teams interested in him Mm -hmm. i'm sure it's going to be one of those things where if we don't get him it'll be fine but if we do get him there's a great chance that, um, I mean, yes, I, in my opinion, like Biggio should be there. He should get a chance to be a starting third baseman. But if Candelario is the guy to play third base, if the, we decide to go that route, I mean, he's a very versatile guy in the batting order. He's a very versatile guy on the field. And, I mean, it's you can't really go wrong with a guy like that because he's so balanced in all of his tools and facets of the game. 
Yeah, I think I'm out on Jaime Candelario just because we talked about our last episode. Um, not only is Kevin Biggio able to play third base, some of our best prospects in Buffalo are third baseman or Elvis Martinez, Addison Barger. I'm thinking we save some money here on the third base front and sign a cheaper guy and let them come in and play and then let Jaime Candelario go somewhere else. Um, the D-backs, Reds, Angels also interested in him. You weren't kidding. He's going to be a high-targeted name. This next player, Riley, that the Blue Jays have had interest in is probably the name I might want the most on free agency, and that is Jorge Soler, Riley. Uh, the Blue Jays have met with his representatives as well, and the quote says from J.P. Morosi, the Blue Jays want to add another impact bat to go along with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he has been incredibly streaky in his career. In fact, here's his OPS pluses over the last four seasons, with 100 being league average. He went 106 in 2021, or 2020, 99 the next year, 95 in 2022, and then a whopping 128 last year, Riley. The biggest tool here, obviously, is the power, which is the big Blue Jays team need. He hit 48 home runs in 2019. But he does have an injury history as well. But besides from Shohei Otani, Jorge Soler might be the biggest power hitter on the Blue Jays roster. He's got a World Series title. He knows how to win. Can play capable defense, I suppose. And I think the contract won't cost as much as what the Astros say paid for Jose Abreu last winter. I'm in on um, Jorge Soler, Riley. And this is a name that I really think the Blue Jays should pursue this winter. Jesse, we're starving for home runs, and a home run is not going to be hit for months by any team, and we're already looking to get extra base hits at this point. I think that going into free agency, I think that has to be a goal, and I think really look not to not, not any further than a guy like Jorge Soler. I remember that 48 home runs in 2019. And I thought, I thought that I thought this kid's going to be incredible, and he's going to repeat that. That's not how his career has shaped since then. It very much looks like he could end up being a journeyman slugger um, for the most part, or if he does lock down a big contract, I mean, good for him. He is a World Series MVP winner at that as well. So, I mean, Jorge Soler is a guy who, if you, like, if you hit 48, you can hit 50. You're going into five years removed or four years removed from that feat, However, I mean, he's a big-bodied guy. He possesses a lot of pop, and the Jays do get a lot of runners on base. We know this. We don't have a guy to drive in a lot of those runners. Could Soler be the guy to do that? We don't know, but just thinking of that and the possibilities there, um, that would be fantastic. He's a, he's an easy choice for me if he's going to be on this team and bad cleanup. And Vladdy, we know for a fact, let's pretend we know going into this year, Vladdy's not going to have 40 home runs or 35 home runs. I'm going and I'm saying we sign Soler right now to be that guy that puts balls into the bleachers. Yeah, like on paper, Riley, it is a dramatic fit. It really seems to be the move the Blue Jays make. I really hope they go about this. You can hit him in that spot Matt Chapman was hitting in the lineup. He can DH most of the time, but he can play a serviceable outfield if you needed to throw him out there. And I really do think it's going to be a good fit. Um, and I hope that's one they make. 
There are lots of other rumors that the Blue Jays have been interested, though, including this one, and we should be no surprise at this one. The Blue Jays have shown interest in a Japanese pitcher, Yashinobu Yamamoto, who, if you don't know much about him, he was the best pitcher in Japan. He had a better season last year than what Kodai Senga had before he came over and joined the Mets. Um, and this is the quote that Ross Atkins gave about Yamamoto before he came over. He said, quote, With our starting point of how many starters we already have in the system, we're in an area of strength. But if we can go out and improve this area, we have to be open to do it. So it sounds like the Blue Jays aren't necessarily shutting off the high-end pitching performance market either. 195 ERA in Japan, including a 14 strikeout, 138 pitch performance in what is Japanese equivalent of the World Series. 25 years old, Riley, so he's younger than any free agent up there. My one main concern, though, Riley, is he might be looking at a Garrett Cole-type contract. Massive dollars, massive years, and I don't know if the Blue Jays are going to go for a, a player like that unless it's Shohei Otani. So what is your thought on Yamamoto, Riley? Do we pull the plug here? I mean, let's just go off the fact that interest, the interest of, you know, international prospects since Shohei and Cody Sanga, like, are, are very high. Um, first, and, and Japan has done a fantastic bo- uh, job at developing ball players who have had great success over in Japan and come to North America and be great impact pieces for their ball clubs. And you got to think that's not maybe going to happen with everybody. And I agree with you, Jesse. I don't think for the time frame we're looking at, I don't want a guy who might still have to develop a little bit. Now, 14 strikeouts in a game play in Japan when everyone has the elite contact of Japanese hitters. We know this. 14 strikeouts in a game, that's insane. I mean, in a major league baseball game, there's going to be more swing and miss than in a professional game in Japan. So, I mean, that's a feat on its own. But is he going to be uncomfortable? Is he going to have to make adjustments? We don't know. It's it's more like I want to go with an MLB ready. I want a for sure thing, a guy who's proven himself in this league, and it's nothing against this kid. Um, he's going to pave and have a fantastic MLB career. I hope he lands on a team that's going to use him correctly. Um, but I don't think he is a guy, especially with the pitchers we already have. I don't, don't think he is the complimentary piece that we're exactly looking for in the rotation or even to put him in the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, It would be a great pitcher to have for a long term. If this was the Blue Jays of the mid-2000s, I'd say absolutely let's go sign this guy. But I do not think it's going to happen for this Blue Jays here um, at this point. But I sure will be a fun pitcher to watch and a guy I'm probably going to want on my fantasy team next year. But uh, we'll deal with that then. Riley, I'm going to link these next three links together and put them all into one here, and you tell me what you think on all three of them. The first one is the Blue Jays have had interest in Seattle Mariners third baseman A. Eugenio Suarez, who hit 232, 323, 391 with 22 home runs last year. The Blue Jays also have interest in free agent center fielder Michael A. Taylor per John Morosi. Not as good a defender as Kevin Kiermeyer, but let's be real, nobody is. He's still very good out in center field, and I think the Blue Jays saw him make some good catches against us in that playoff wild card round, so I can see why they'd be interested in that one. And the last one, Riley, is Joey Votto, who the Reds just announced um, would not be coming back, and his time in Cincinnati is over. If Joey Votto still decides he wants to play Major League Baseball, the Blue Jays have, quote, kicked their tires on the Canadian slugger. And Ross Atkins has praised Votto on his work ethic and what he's done in the game. And obviously, a lot of people outside of the Blue Jays think that Joey Votto and the Blue Jays will be a good fit. So those three names, Eugenio Suarez, Michael A. Taylor, Joey Votto, what's your interest level on any of those? I mean, if any one of those guys are going to be a good fit, I mean, 
if we're looking at, we're still talking about complementary pieces when you're talking about these guys. And I mean, the left-handed bat, we're basically going to replace Brandon Belt with Joey Votto. And I, that's the move I would make if I'm to take any one of these three. Again, it goes back like uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez, another great third baseman. We're going to have to overpay for a guy like that. I think we could find and, and utilize our money somewhere else. And then Michael A. Taylor, who again, great defensive center fielder. Um, I just, I don't know. And he has, ha- he had some good times with the bat, but I don't know if I trust his bat with us seeing how a lot of guys in their first season with the Jays not hit that well. And I, I just, I'm more apt. I'm a homer as far as Canadian ball players go and playing on the Toronto blue Jays. And yes, I'm a sucker for a feel good story um, with, with Cincinnati basically dumping Votto who has a good chance to, I'm going to say get a decent percentage of Hall of Fame votes. I don't think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, which sucks to say. I'm just be I'm just being honest on what I think. But I like hey, if Joey Votto can can get some ABs and and hit against right-handed pitching and you know, maybe even carries less of the load than what Brandon Belt did and it's not for a ton of money, then I'm totally okay with that. I think the fans would love the Joey Votto comeback. Me personally, as much as I love the kid and love rooting for the guy, I don't think we're going to see Joey Votto here in Toronto. Eugenio Suarez, I'm out on too for the same reasons you mentioned before. He also led baseball in strikeouts. So we thought Matt Chapman struck out a lot. Wait till you see Eugenio Suarez do about it and only can put out 22 home runs with the high strikeout rate. I'm out on that one. And then the other guy, Michael A. Taylor, the Riley, I do think the Blue Jays will have interest in, and I do think the Blue Jays will want to do that. They're going to miss the defense that Kevin Kiermeyer gave, and if Michael A. Taylor can do that, the Blue Jays benefited from very good outfield defense this year, and I do think they want to keep that together. So Michael A. Taylor is a name to watch. I'd probably put Jorge Soler first out of the names we mentioned, Michael A. Taylor second as names I really think the Blue Jays could go for this winter. Yeah, and of course, you're talking about a lesser bat than what... I mean, we're talking about two different ball players with Soler and Michael A. Taylor, almost opposite ball players as far as they, um, you know, approach a game or how their abilities land on the field. Either way, I mean, we made a lot of trades last offseason that didn't work out well. I think now let's turn it around you know, we're not going to sign a superstar, but I think that was a really good, really good time in free agency to possibly lock in a one or two year deal to someone who's going to be the best fit needed uh, for this ball club going into the 2024 season. All right. Well, to wrap up the Blue Jays free agency rumors and going on, I have a couple pair of combos uh, where I put two free agents against two free agents. And I want you to tell me who you think the Blue Jays should go for out of the, or which combo you like the best. We asked our friends on Twitter this as well, and uh, they gave their answers. But Riley, I will ask the first one to you. Who would you rather have first, a combination of Jorge Soler and, say, Tyler Malley or a combination of Jaimer Candelario and Seth Lugo? Who would you pick? Oh, and I, I I voted in this obviously to Jesse, and um, uh, I'm gonna go with the um, Tyler Malley and uh, Jorge Soler. I think that that is probably after this conversation and what we've talked about so far. I think I'm more in love with the idea of having Jorge Soler on this team. I think prioritizing him, um, and that's that's what I'm gonna go on that first one. 
Sounds good. I tried to get the logo up on screen there. I had a few issues there. We'll deal with that later, but uh, did not work. But yes, I agree. I'm with you on that one. Um, as much as I like Seth Lugo and really do think he, he is a guy, Jorge Soler is my A1 piece, and he's got to be on this team. Um, the next one I have here, Riley, is who would you rather between Reese Hoskins and Michael Lorenzen or Joey Votto and Lucas Giolito? Oh, and again, so it's definitely not definitely not the Giolito one. He had a rough year last year, man. It's it's option A 100% based off the detriments of the second one and the fact that Votto is probably not going to be an everyday player. It's option A for me for sure. Yeah, I had the same one, and I'm going to try to bring up what the Twitter people said here on this one as well. Just take some time. Um, it was leaps and bounds up. Very unanimous for the... Um, there you go. You can kind of see it there. 91% of our fans also thought they would like to go with Reese Hoskins and uh, Michael Lorenzen as well over the pair of Votto and Giolito. I thought Votto might gain more traction just because of the love, but didn't happen there. Uh, Riley, the next one. Who would you rather have out of these combos, Tim Anderson and Hector Neris or Evan Longoria and Robert Stevenson? Um, I love uh, Longoria, and the, I, the more and more I think about it, um, he's got a lot of longevity in his game. And even if I, I like the, I like the option B and Robert Stevenson coming out of the bullpen too, another decent arm. Um, but I do like the idea and I've already thought about this is Longoria and Biggio kind of platooning a lot at third base. I could see that happening. And I think, I think that would be a smart, a smart move. I don't know how, how, you know, realistic that is, but it sounds very realistic and doable to me. That's what I want, To I mentioned last episode. I really want Evan Longoria on this team. I also voted for Longoria and Robert Stevenson. I think Stevenson is the better reliever than Hector Neris. And uh, Tim Anderson, I don't know what he does that Ernie Clement can't do. So I think I'd rather go that route on this. Um, the fans, though, Riley, did not agree with us. 61.5 went the Tim Anderson and Hector Neris route over Longoria and Stevenson. Maybe they saw Longoria strike out a ton during the World Series and decided to go that route. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, hey, like maybe they like the excitement that Tim Anderson brings. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't want to call it drama to offend <laughs> anybody, but uh, I mean, I like the kind of the the nonchalant um, kind of player, the lunchbox guys that just go to the ballpark, do their thing, and you, well, you know the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I got two more, Riley. These are both a top-end hitter and then a top relief pitcher, and I want to see who you pick out of these ones. The first one is Cody Bellinger and Ronaldo Lopez, or would you rather bring back Matt Chapman and bring Josh Hader along with him? Oh, man. Well, I got to – that's a, that's a no-brainer. It's got to be Josh Hader, and you could have given me a bowl of Campbell's soup to go with that in the category. And, and I think Bellinger has, has done a decent job at resurging his career a little bit. Still very young with a ton of potential. Um, he can still turn back the clock to when he was like 21 years old and absolutely mashing. Um, but, I mean, Josh Hader is the best left-handed relief pitcher in Major League Baseball, and he would be an asset for any bullpen. And I guess we have to live with Matt Chapman's elite defense and then not going <laughs> right. to talk about how we and how, but not going to mention the bat we'll just go to the next one i um i also voted for matt chapman and josh Hader. our twitter followers did not agree with us they actually went bellinger and ronaldo lopez as well i'm out on cody bellinger this year and i we can get into it now if you want or we can talk about it a little later in the offseason 
I think he overperformed his numbers last year dramatically. And I, yes, he has taken a step forward from his two awful years with the Dodgers, but I do not think MVP Cody Bellinger is coming back. And I think the Cody Bellinger they got last year was great, but I think that's like a top 90% expectile that you can get out of Cody Bellinger. Yeah, the defense is still good. He can play some first outfield, which would fit on the Toronto Blue Jays. He's a left-handed bat, which would also fit on the Blue Jays. But I just do not think the offensive upside is still there anymore for Cody Bellinger, and that's why I would go Matt Chapman and uh, Josh Hader. Yeah, or we could go another route and just scrap having the relief pitcher go Bellinger and Chapman and have them bat. Could you imagine a world where Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger bat 8-9 in a batting sure. order? But it's looking more and more like, not I'm not saying the Blue Jays, I, I think I'm out on Bellinger too, but the way their career trajectories are going from here, um, that's, that's where they're kind of seating themselves right now on good ball clubs, um, which is crazy. I would nev- not have thought that. Um, dialing back two, th- two, two years ago at least, three years ago, no, n- nothing in my mind would tell me that there would be that much regression in their in their games. And then I got one more, and this is features a designated hitter type and a low end starting pitcher, Riley. So who would you rather have between Mitch Garver and Hunjin Ryu, or JD Martinez and Michael Waka? Oh, let's. I, I, I nothing against Hunjin Ryu. I want to turn over a new leaf. I think he did a great job with Toronto. And I think let's just hypothetically say J.D. Martinez um, playing in the American League East decides that he's going to have another massive year and play at his 100 percentile of, of his game and hit 35 home runs for us. And I would take that in, in an instance because, again, we're talking about what we need to acquire, Jesse, this offseason and power, uh, extra base hit, potential, uh, JD Martinez, I guess, could be that guy again. Not totally sold on it, but this is the last one, bottom of the barrel stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess if anyone intrigues me, it's him. I do like Mitch Garver. I want that said. I want that on record that I am a Mitch Garver guy. I think there is a very good player in that game, but I think I'm with you. Um, I'm out on Hunjin Ryu as well. I think he's going to get a major league contract somewhere. He's probably going to throw up some quality starts, but it's just won't be with the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm with you. I'm also on J.D. Martinez and Michael Waka, and about 66% of the fans also agreed with us on Michael Waka and Hunjin Ryu there as well. So that is it for the Blue Jays um, free agents there that we had talked about. Let's move on to some other minor news and notes from the Toronto Blue Jays because it's the offseason. A lot of little paperwork has happened. Riley, I'm just going to go through a few of these, and if any of them catch your attention, feel free to stop me, all right? Okay. Okay. So the Blue Jays officially picked up Chad Green's option. They settled on the two years, $21 million option for Chad Green. He'll be back in this bullpen for the next two years, probably in a high leverage role. Matt Chapman was officially offered the qualifying offer, which if he accepts, he'll be back in Toronto on a one-year deal for about $20 million. If not, any signs elsewhere, the Jays will get a fourth-round pick in next year's draft. And then some minor stuff. Mitch White has been added to the 40-man roster. Cam Eden has cleared waivers and has been assigned to Buffalo because he was with the Blue Jays towards the end of last season. Hagen Danner, Adam Simber, Otto Lopez have also been re-added to the uh, 40-man roster. And speaking of the 40-man roster, the Blue Jays have several minor league players in the system that have been granted free agency, so they will not be on the 40-man roster. These names include Canadian Rowan Wick, Paul Fry, who I know we talked a bit about last year, and Rafael Latigua, who actually pitched very well for the Buffalo Bisons this year. They have all announced their free agency, and they are not with their clubs. Uh, Any of those names catch your attention, Riley? 
Yeah, I mean, Jesse, I got to talk about what people expect me to talk about. Um, this is my storyline on the show, and it's Matt Chapman. He's the guy that's currently on the back of this shirt right now. And listen, like, I'm trying to separate my, my brain from my heart right now when thinking about how I want to dress up this Blue Jays team. Um, I think he had, you know, a hot start last year. And then if it wasn't for that hot start, he is basically, if you take away Matt Chapman's defense, um, he's a below average player in Major League Baseball as far as, you know, the where he should be as a third baseman, his physique, his type his age, his potential, you know, he's a first round draft pick um, out of California and started off his big league career in, in a good way with, with Oakland. And I thought we fleeced the athletics and it looked like that for a bit. And yeah, I get it. Maybe I'm not valuing defense as high as some people do, but this us putting the qualifying offer, I guess is kind of a table setter for, um, what, how other teams like, oh, they qualified Matt Chapman. Maybe he is valuable. And yeah, of course he's valuable. I mean, he's the, I would argue he's still, you know, the best defensive third baseman in all of baseball. But they always say, oh, defense wins your championships. Defense wins your championships. And it's like, no, man, that's such an age old bullcrap thing. Like, you mm -hmm. got to be able to hit. And I just got so sick and tired of watching Matt Chapman whiff at 95 mile an hour fastballs right down the heart of the plate that he should have been all over. And yes, he hit, he had terrible, uh, terrible Babbitt last year, hit balls to the warning track, like, uh, like unbelievably unlucky at some points, but he made it very difficult on himself. The pitches he took, the pitches he swung at in those meaty hacks down the middle of the plate. It just, it just got tiring. So, I mean, if someone, takes if someone offers him something he goes there we get something in return um but i still think that we don't even hover over the panic button if matt chapman is not a third baseman next year there are plenty of other options and that hurts for me to say i would love to say that you know i would want to fight to get him back in toronto for 2024 but i just believe that there is another ball player out there, and I'm not even going to name drop, that is more suitable to play third base for the 2024 Blue Jays. Yeah, and it's and that, that April that Matt Chapman had where he looked like the best hitter in the world is really doing dividends for his season line. He was actually probably worse than his season line ended up being. And the defense, even though he won a gold glove, which we'll talk on later, he actually made a lot of errors, and there were some steps back in his defensive game last year, which I don't think people are noticing. The one thing about Chapman, though, Riley, is somebody's going to look at their hard hit numbers. When he does hit the ball, he still does hit it very hard, and some team is going to think they can get that and get the power out of Matt Chapman, but... I'm with you, dude. I think I've seen enough, and I think it's time to let go of Matt Chapman. But with that being said, the Blue Jays have said they are still absolutely remain interested in Matt Chapman on a multi-year deal if things come together. He's a Scott Boris client. I do not think it's going to happen. Um, the Blue Jays did also make some minor moves, Riley. We have actually re-signed Trevor Clifton to a minor league contract, who is a right-handed pitcher. He had a solid 23-game stint in indie ball. And the Jays signed it to a minor league deal, um, but he made just eight appearances in Double A before an injury ended his season early. He is back with the organization, and the Blue Jays also made a trade. Riley, we acquired left-handed pitcher Brendan Little from the Cubs in exchange for cash considerations. He has been added to the 40-man roster. He's a left-handed pitcher. We got about a 94-mile-per-hour sinker with a plus slider. 
very good at inducing ground balls. In fact, his ground ball rate was one of the highest in all the minor leagues last year. 403 ERA with the Cubs AAA team. I look at him as a Tim Meza light. He's probably like our third lefty behind Meza and Genesis Cabrera coming out of that bullpen now. So just a name to know as we get into spring training. And that's something I can get behind too is another good left-handed relief pitcher. Um, even if he's a little ways away from, you know, really being an impact piece in the major league bullpen. But hey, it's a step. These are small moves right now. But however, there are moves being made. We're trying to put together a team. And, um, you know, not everything's going to be blockbuster, right, Jesse? So, I mean, this is our, this is what we got to report on. It's, you know, it could end up like this is a big groundbreaking thing. If we go back three years and this works out, it does. If not, then we still got to talk about it. Riley, it's time. We have to have a conversation right now that I think we've been dreading to have all off season. And that is what do we do with Alec Manoa? I think it's now finally time we sit down and we kind of hash out our thoughts about what do we do with this player? We're getting into the off season. Look, we know the Alec Manoa story. Two years ago, he was in a Cy Young award winning season. He came third. If he had that exact same year this year, he is probably the American league Cy Young award winner this year. But he didn't. We know what happened last year. Came into camp out of shape, a little overweight. He could not. He looked awful. He lost the slider, gone completely. Sent down to the Florida Complex League. Came back, got sent down again. Quit on his team and ended up not reporting to Buffalo. And now he's working out this offseason. Riley, what do we do with the guy? Well, Jesse, I... I'm just going to straight up say this. I don't know if this is a popular or unpopular thing. But I love characters in baseball, and I'm a guy who's all about character clauses. This guy gave up on his team. He gave up on himself. It's a little like the, a poor sport in a lot of ways, a crybaby. You could call it whatever, but in like a more professional standpoint, like the guy obviously wanted to be a major league pitcher, and he did not take being sent down well. And if and I said this before, if you're a 36 year old veteran and had been an opening day starter for four out of the last six years or something, and you've got sent down like that and you were ticked off about it, like I could see that, but Alec Manoa does not have the service time. Yes. Third and Scion voting incredible pitching performance that year. We're looking at the present Alec Manoa, and we don't even know what President Alec Manoa is doing. Um, he really went MIA, and to do that and give up the way he did, I think is terrible. I I really don't want him on the roster. I think the wise decision in a lot of cases, and what they do in a lot of sports, if there's issues, is that's when trades happen, and it sucks. But I think that's going to be the right call to do. I think there's just going to be way too much animosity between fans coaches players like i again i don't know alec manoa personally i can't comment on how i think he is as a person i can only go by what the media shows us what i view on television and this and that but from what i've seen and from what i've heard from fairly decent and reliable sources like he's a quitter and I don't think that he's going to mesh good. And I think people realize, you know, what he did, you know, gave, given up on this team. Like, how can you get the respect of your teammates after last year? If you were to even listen, performance, whatever. If he was to go last year and have a six ERA, but then grind his ass off in New Hampshire and then Buffalo 
and be a good sport about it and do everything he could to get back in the major leagues. Totally different. I love that guy. I love the player that does that, works on himself. But Alec Manoa did none of that. He did everything you're not supposed to do, um, you know, after getting sent down or whatever. And quite frankly, like, I think, you know, yeah, he'll certainly, the good Alec Manoa will certainly be missed. But if we can't get that good Alec Manoa back, then there's no point at having who this guy, this imposter was last year who showed up and didn't give a crap, showed up out of shape. And like, is the Alec Manoa time done in Toronto? I think so. And I'd not even talk about getting a great deal for him. I think it just kind of busts things up a little bit. I think that move just needs to be made this offseason, Jesse. Well, interesting take because it could cause uh, riffles either way, I suppose. But there is some trade interest in Alec Manoa. The St. Louis Cardinals have mentioned they do have interest in Blue Jays' right-handed pitcher, Alec Manoa. And the Blue Jays have done stuff like this in the past. If they've had a guy who's had shady characters, they've traded him. Jose Reyes comes to mind. They didn't like exactly what Marcus Stroman was doing in the clubhouse. They traded him. The Blue Jays, Anthony Bass earlier last year, like the Blue Jays have done things like this in the past. I will say though, Riley, asset management is one of the biggest things you can do. And the Blue Jays, if they do sell on Alec Manoa, it's probably going to be for the reasons you said, because they think he's done with the team and he's done committing with himself. I do not think that he has done that yet. I think he might have gone and made an apology to the team, and he might have um, worked his butt off this offseason. In fact, Kevin Gosman was just on an interview with um, one of the top uh, Blue Jays sports podcasts or whatever, and Kevin Gosman said, quote, I think it's tough to see um, what happened with Alec Manoa. He got off to a late start. Remember, he threw two innings, two pitches the year before and I think he tried to push it up a little too early and his body and his shoulder weren't ready and he wasn't in a good spot with his arm or his mechanics he didn't mention anything there about um, what his body looked like or what his headspace was at or how good of a teammate it was it's just it sounds to me like echoes the things you were saying he wasn't ready coming into camp last year and it really took effect into the course for the whole season Jesse and if I know with the Cardinals and if you're to look up one of the craziest baseball reference pages out there, a Toronto pitcher that went to St. Louis, um, this absolutely screams Chris Carpenter to me. And he went on and won a Cy Young with the Cardinals. I don't know if that's going to be the case. And Chris Carpenter had an eight ERA. I don't know what year it was, but if you look up his baseball reference page on your own time, it's insane. The improvement that went through. Uh, I think he was probably dealing with more just ability stuff. I think what Manoa, you know what? I'm big on mental health. I'm big on seeking help. Um, Things like that. And if that's what he's going through, that's totally different. Um, But I still, I still think you kind of have to be a good sport about a lot and good. Hey, good for Gosman for backing him up. But I mean, I hope that the right things have been put in place as far as, his road since, you know, the end of September. Like, I mean, we've, this is kind of news hasn't really popped up for the last eight weeks or anything like that. And I hope that the right steps are being made on all sides. And especially for Alec Manoa, just to get ready for baseball. I mean, my, my heart and mind are still set on, like, I think what I said, I think should happen. What I want to have happen. I'm sticking to that, but you know, you still don't wish you know, a guy is going to go out and pitch poorly next year. I think he's got a heck of a lot of potential and he showed it, but there's got to be a lot of adjustments made before he steps back onto a big league hill. 
Look, Jose Barrios was awful in 2022. He came back with a good year last year. Yusei Kikuchi, same story. We can't rule that out happening again from Alec Manoa, and we know what the upside can be if he puts it all together. Now, I don't think we're going to see that guy. I do like the Chris Carpenter comp you made there, Riley. Um, Ross Atkins was asked about this, about what the Alec Manoa role is for this team next year, and he said, quote, I do feel like he's earned already the right to have a strong leg up next year. He says, I'm very excited about Alec. I feel so good about him coming into this year given his body of work the experience he's had and the motivation of where he has for me this feels like the number one story of spring training so it does sound like he does have a leg up going into um spring training to be the number five starter if the blue jays don't add somebody whether or not that's just general manager speak or whatever it is who knows but i do want to show a video here of what alec manoa has actually been doing and you tell me riley if you think that alec manoa has lost a little bit of weight or he looks a little better here here's from his instagram story where it looks like he's doing aerobics he's jumping up um he looks skinnier he's still a big guy but he does look like he's putting things together and it looks like he's working on himself which is a good sign for the blue jays and alec manoa I mean, yeah, definitely trimming up. That's important because, I mean, there's big-bodied athletes, but then there's kind of, you know, what we – like bad weight to have on. And if he can shave some of that down – I mean, pitchers, you got to be whippy, and he's got to be in decent condition. You know, I'm not saying great shape. So great – you know, I'm not – Roger Clemens wasn't in the best shape. Kurt Schillings wasn't in the best shape. Um you know, for their careers and whatever else, but um, they didn't have a lot of unwanted weight on their body. And I think Manoa had a lot of unwanted weight and uh, it looks like, Hey, kudos to him. It looks like he's doing a great job on his road to taking care of that. Cause Jesse, I mean, I'm no one to speak. You're someone who made excellent life choices and changed. Um, I still lo love the old Jesse, but as far as you, you're healthier, you're performing better in all your sports. You know, you're an NBA star now um, <laughs> on the PCI basketball courts. Like, I mean, it's a feel good. It's a feel good thing. You're playing better. And Alec Manoa, you know, should take take some of that away and basically, you know, like, you know, maybe not not get in the the best shape of his life or whatever. You know, he's not talking to be like a supermodel skinny or anything like that, but just, you know, mobility, agility um, and flexibility, all kind of incorporating to add on because I feel like he was losing. He lost a lot of that last year. And I think that that for him to be successful, to throw the ball and to throw the ball like he did in 2022, he's got to be able you know, add a little bit more of flexibility into his game. Ultimately, it's going to come down to this. If you think that 2021 Alec Manoa can come back, or the 2022 one, sorry, where he was the Young Award winner, and you trade him, that's going to look awful for this team, for the future of this team, for our World Series chances, and so on and so forth. But if the 2023 Alec Manoa is the Alec Manoa we're going to get, and you can get something, even if it's just Dylan Carlson or Brendan Donovan for him this winter, you should do that. And I think the Blue Jays have to work very hard to try to figure out what Alec Manoa it's going to be and make a decision this week or this offseason and really hope they're right. This is going to be probably the turning point for this team and whether or not we win a World Series within the next few years. And if he's a part of that, he is. If he's not, at this point, it's not going to surprise me. Nothing. Nothing surprises me uh, with the Blue Jays in the last little while, man. It's just another another uh, thing in the pot, the Alec Manoa storyline here. Plenty more. 
still wish him a good recovery and things like that. But um, whether he's going to be on the roster or not, still very much in the air. All right. Well, let's move on from Alec Manoa. We're going to talk more about that going on throughout the course of the offseason. Let's talk a little coaching stuff and uh, what's going on in the dugout. Riley, last time we talked, we said Dave Hudgens, who is our offensive strategist, has been reassigned. He will be working in the Florida Complex League, doing some things with younger players. That means Don Mattingly will take a more involved role this year. He is officially becoming our team's hitting strategist slash offensive coordinator, which is uh, all I want to know is I better see more baseballs pulled in the air. I want to see more power come out. I'm done with this. Let's try to take every pitch to the opposite field thing and I think Don Mattingly is the right guy to get more his hands on this team a little more and really drive this going forward dude Don Mattingly is a proven winner um on the field as a player off the field as a skipper um I I don't know if that trigger will be pulled to put him in the managerial seat um but like like give give a guy who knows baseball the duties to manage a baseball club because he's been around the game. He knows what it takes to win. He's been a loser. He's been a winner. He's, he's a good veteran guy. I like managers like Don Mattingly. I like Don Mattingly and um, let him control. Um, you know, not ever, not absolutely everything, obviously, but give him control over that Blue Jays team um, and he'll do his best and he'll be successful. Most of, you're not going to be on every player and get every player to perform every night. But if anyone's going to come close, I believe it's Don Mattingly. I agree with that too. And with that being said, Guillermo Martinez will return as this team's hitting coach. That news was not that popular when people um, when that was announced. But let's be real: in 2021 and 2022, people were praising Guillermo Martinez as the hitting coach of the future and all that stuff. So we'll see how it looks with him coming back. And the Blue Jays have a new third base coach. We have uh, Red Sox assistant coach Carlo Febles or Febles to be our new third base coach. I have no idea how to assess whether or not a third base coach is good or not. I guess we'll have to wait and see till the season whenever he makes aggressive sends or bad sends or what he might do on the diamond this year. Yeah. Uh, again, if a good third base coach won't go notice too much or whatever, but you'll know if he screws up, I guess again, can't really grade the guys. You will wait and see what happens. You just have to trust um, that our front office is, has chosen the right guy for the job. All right, and let's talk some team awards. As last time we talked, there was a bunch of uh, Gold Glove nominations. Well, those Gold Gloves Award have officially been announced, and of the five Blue Jays that were nominated for the Gold Glove, three of them are walking home with hardware. That'll be Jose Brios getting his first, Kevin Kiermaier getting his fourth, and I didn't write the number for Matt Chapman, but I'm pretty sure it's his either fourth or his fifth Gold Glove as well. They are all Gold Glove winners. Congratulations. And in fact, the Toronto Blue Jays as a team have been given the team Gold Glove Award in the American League, which I did not even know was an award so uh we got that now too um dalton varsho notably a snub for the gold glove award as stephen kwan of the giants ended up winning it in left field kevin gosman has been officially nominated for the cy young award and jordan romano chris bassett bo bichette matt chapman and kevin gosman have all been nominated for the all mlb team riley so out of those nominations the one you're most proud of or you upset at the dalton varsho snub what do you want to talk about here yeah, um, I mean, of course, I think the biggest thing, the biggest storyline in this is that Varsho didn't get the gold glove there. Um, I didn't know they had a team gold glove either. That being said now, 
I think we rocked one of the best out, the, the best outfield in Major League Baseball. And I'm aware that Chapman made a lot of errors. Still, I think rightfully so captured. And he got the, I think he got the gold glove on merit. He lost the gold glove last year when he should have won it. And I think he won it this year um, and, you know, was less deserving. So it's kind of a makeup call. I mean, we're playing baseball. We're talking baseball here. So for me, that's a makeup call anyways. But Rios getting it on the bump is is great, whatever. You know, but the biggest the biggest thing is that, like, yeah, you had Kevin Kiermaier playing center field for the Jays and taking home the gold glove. That's great. Well-deserved, but Varsho right there as as the 1A, 1B punch uh, for our defense this year. Um, I think Varsho got robbed. Um, and then just to quickly touch, like, good for Gosman being nominated for the Cy Young. I think it's 100% going to go to Garrett Cole, but you couldn't have asked for more out of Kevin Gosman this year. He was a fantastic acquisition, and he has just been on fire since arriving in Toronto. Love having this guy as our ace doing absolutely fantastic things for us. I had a preseason bet for Kevin Gosman to win the Cy Young Award, and he's going to finish second place in the American League, and it's going to feel so awful. But um, good for Garrett Cole, I guess, and the Yankees and all that stuff there. Um, Dalton Varsho did not win a Gold Glove Award this year, but Riley, do you know who did win a Gold Glove this year? Uh, no, but you're going to tell me. <laughs> Gabriel Moreno won a gold glove in the National League. Um, Good for him. Diamondbacks. So uh, if you're still sour on the Dalton Varsho trade, there's a little more salt in the wound there for you. Um, but I'd imagine Dalton Varsho will more than likely be winning this award next year. Yeah, um, Varsho's going to have a couple uh, before his career's done. And good for, honestly, not salty. I, I hope Moreno goes on and has a good career. I care less about the team because they're National League West. They are the farthest possible team from us as far as the divisions are set up. So I have no problem with him being successful there, of course. Um, but yeah, again, what are individual awards in a team sport? But I, yeah. I won't. I would yeah. lie to you if I was. If I would be lying to you, Jesse, if I said that I didn't look at those and judge players quite a bit on how many All Star games appearance, how many Silver Sluggers they had. When you're looking at surface level statistics, you always look at those things, no matter who you are, and they always jump off at the page for you. You go on Baseball Reference, the first thing that comes up. How, are they a Hall of Famer, their jersey numbers, how many times they were an all-star, et cetera, pretty much right below their birthdays and nicknames. So, I mean, hey, you tell me what's really important. I mean, the only thing that matters, Texas won the World Series this year. <clears throat> um, at the end of the day, they get and – the, and we didn't. We Yeah, we got a bunch of guys with the gold glove. But, uh, hey, it's still cool. It's still cool. I won't lie to you. I still like that for Chapman. I really do. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a team sport, and we're still trying to lock in on the biggest prize, Jesse. All right, and then just lo looking down to the Arizona Fall League, the Blue Jays um, had some people going down there, including names C.J. Van Eck, who hasn't pitched in a long time, actually struck out the side in the Arizona Fall League's game. Desan Brown, Ricky Tiedemann, Will Robertson were also all-stars there. And keep an eye on Demino Palagini, I think his name is, Palmagani. Um, Isaac's going to kill me for the pronunciation of that name. But he hit 22 home runs in the home run derby and had an OPS over 900 in the Arizona Fall League. He is really a prospect 
on the rise. Probably will start the season in AAA Buffalo next year. He'll be in spring training camp with the Blue Jays and could be an outside shot to make some noise for this team next year. So keep that name on the burner as he is tearing up the Arizona Fall League right now. And as we get close to the Rule 5 draft and the... Um, and the 40-man roster is coming together. The Blue Jays are at some risk of losing some players to the uh, to the Rule 5 draft, so keep these names in mind too. Uh, Adam Mako, who I believe was in the Randall Gritchick trade. I could be wrong on that one, but he was a prospect we got back there. Uh, Desan Brown, Adrian Printo, Alex DeJesus, who came over in the um, Nick Frasso trade for Mitch White trade. Gabriel Martinez and Dehan Santos are all names to know that the Blue Jays could be at risk of losing in the... Um, MLB uh, Rule 5 draft coming up. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, you got 40 guys to set a roster to. Um, <clears throat> you can't imagine that any of them are going to, they're going to go on, they're going to be, you know, playing on the big league club on the, on the 26 if they're picked up in the Rule 5. And uh, I guess if anything, it gives them an opportunity to play the game. Um, I won't be too sad if we lose a player like, um, you know, out of those names you listed, I don't think it's going to hurt us too, too much. It still sucks. Yeah. But uh, at this, at the same time too, if a team is picking up one of those guys, they're, they're it's clearly going to be a bottom feeder club and they really need the depth on their team. Cause none of those guys are going to be a starter. It's going to be a bench role or a really deep bullpen position for any of those guys. I agree. Just names to know as we get further into the offseason here. Well, Riley, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please leave a comment, like the video. We want to get to 500 subscribers. Tell us what you think about the new layouts, the new sound, the new design, the new features we're getting up here. We're going to get better. We're going to get smoother. Everything's going to get better from this point forward as we're just going to get a little bit better. Um, another episode down. Riley, anything else to add before we get out of here today? No, I uh, love the setup. Uh, I hope everything comes out well, you know, after our editing crew gets a hold of it and everything like that. Super happy. Our first, you know, uh, you know, uh, new era episode, if you want to call it that. I don't know. Just another episode for us, Jesse, at the end of the day. We're still in the off season. Hopefully, you know, big news happens. And well, actually, maybe another week of relaxation for, for that front. And then, um, you know, they'll spin the books here closer to December um, and you know, get really get the wheels spinning and the general managers all on the phone. But um, nope, still early in the off season. Long ways to go. Count down those days before the first day of spring or pitchers and catchers, however you want to do it. Um, still right around the corner. Happy Remembrance Day to all of our soldiers out there and to all of our veterans and all that stuff. I know Riley's rocking the poppy here today, so we know he is paying his respect. And um, we wish you nothing but the best and hope you continued support for our Toronto Blue Jays. Till then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys. Uh -huh.